Blog Talk Radio. Subjects on the planet, 
surrealism. And I don't mean like good surrealism, like abstract realism, like Terry Gilliam or uh, let's see, who's another? Salvador Dali. We're talking about the really weird movies like Cats, okay? Movies Mm -hmm. that have no (laughs) real explanation why they exist, but they do. And they develop cult followings. And so originally, and Steve can vouch, we were going to do two films. Um, That's right. We were going to do Cabin Boy, which is a first watch for you, right, Steve? First time. Yeah. So, um, and then I was trying to figure out what to pair Cabin Boy with because it's such a weird film. There's not luck that goes with it. And so I ended up going with Popeye, the musical from 1980, uh, which is actually very good pairing with Cabin Boy. Um, And it's weird in its own right. It's a musical. We have to cover musicals since Cats is a musical. So we have a musical in Mm -hmm. the list here. And then um, I then added one more film. And that was uh, because I realized, really, Cabin Boy's true twin-minded successor would be 2001's Monkey Bone, which is actually a far better film than people actually give it credit for. And we'll talk about that seriously. Um, But then, of course, a week ago, one of the best surrealist, abstract realism people ever – Terry Jones of Monty Python fame, one you know, passes. And I was really, really sad, and I wanted to honor him, and it wasn't really a good time during the episode of Sexy Witches. So I decided I threw this at Steve. I threw a fourth <laughs> film in there, and we added Eric the Viking from 1989. Yeah, we did. And which is interesting, because three of these films are about boats which is kind of funny. Uh, Monkey Bone, there's no boat. Uh, right. It is about it is about journeys and traveling. So um, so we got a lot to talk about surrealism, right? Yes, See, we, we think do. We got, yes, we, we do. So, so this is a double-stuffed episode of Read It Bone Nerds. Read Bone Nerds usually is only about an hour show. Uh, tonight we padded a little extra time because it is our season premiere, premiere, and we got a lot to get to. And before we get to these movies, but first, Steve... We should talk Mm -hmm. about our final predictions for the Oscars. We talked a little bit about it on our last episode, but now that the DGA, the PGA, and the SAG are all out, we all know they're winners, we can actually get a pretty much an idea who's going to lock the Oscar. So I'm going to say to you, and you can say yay or nay, I think that at this point, if 1917 loses, I will be really, really surprised. Me too. There's, there's no uh, way. I think it was uh, the best picture winner. It, there's no way it's losing at this point. It locked the DGA and it locked the PGA. And one of those always gets it right. Sometimes they both do. And when they both agree on the film, it always gets it right. So, uh, I, it, you know, I we were just talking about surrealism before air. Do you know what is the only time that the DGA did not sync up with? Uh, there was like a couple times in the eighties. The most famous time that they did not sync up with a movie, uh, with the Oscars, was Brazil in nineteen eighty nine. Oh, I was going to guess that, but I didn't know it. So mm-hmm. it's just been a lucky guess. Yeah, Gillian's Brazil was one. And and it didn't win the Oscar. It wasn't even nominated. Uh, you know. Talk what about, a movie. I mean, yeah. 
I can do an entire episode just on all the differences of the cut of Brazil because, you know, every oh, cut of Brazil is different. I've only seen the one. I've only seen the, the one, I guess, that uh, that is mass produced the most. I've only seen that one. Uh, no. That, that, okay. Does it – how does it – let me ask you. How does it end? Spoiler alert. Oh, gosh. It's it been a minute. Oh, oh gosh! Hold on a minute. You'll have you'll have to forgive me. It's I can been I can I time. can ask you. Does it does does do they get away or does he go insane? He goes insane. Yeah, that's the European he, cut, which is probably the one you've oh, seen. Okay, the that's the one that I have. Yeah, that that's the that's the there's three good cuts. That one's perfectly good. That's the theatrical cut that was in Europe. The one in America is called Love Conquers All and it cuts a shit ton of the film out and it cuts the whole madness at the end out. They get away happily ever after. Oh, I don't like that as much, I don't think. No, Gilliam doesn't do shit like that. No way. No. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Yeah, so anyway. I I digress. We we have a Terry Gilliam episode if they're listening, folks. You can go back because we both were one of the few people that saw um, the man who shot Dante Quixote in the theaters last yeah. year. And neither one of us right. had it in our top ten list, even though I'm sure we actually meant it to be there. And I know it was at least in my top twenty. I mean, it was it was. Really I totally Adam, forgot about it. Somehow, it should have been what, at least in my top twenty. I think it's because it was such a surreal and once again surreal experience that it didn't register to me as a movie. It registered more on the level of a dream. So yes, I mean, because I never actually thought I'd even be seeing that. Like I kept pinching myself even as the credits started rolling. But boy, did Adam Driver have a really good year! Oh my god, how many oh my movies gosh. was he in this year? At least three I saw in the theater. And I saw that and, and there was Star Wars the, and Marriage Story, you know. Ugh. And there was the report, the 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 one about the CIA uh, waterboarding thing that was on Amazon oh. that came out in November. I didn't see that, but yeah, was, I remember seeing ads for it. So once again, Adam Driver. I mean, wow. Everyone's just giving him jobs. <laughs> I know. I it, I'm not mad about it. No, I like him. I don't like how they're trying to sell him as a sex symbol because I honestly don't feel about him that way at all. Uh, I don't either. I mean, I, I'm, as much as uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't really find, uh, see him in that light. No, but people do. I mean, they're you know they're always like like trying to have his shirt off in shots and things, and I'm like, dude, like his character in Marriage Story is is actually more like like honest and true than, than when they tried to sell him on a sex appeal movie, you know, uh, you and know, he's he, cuter he, that way too. Oh God, he is. Yeah, he, no, I would date I think that he comes guy. Off more, <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. He comes off more attractive that way than when he's like Kylo Ren with his shirt off for no reason. He just, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know it's ridiculous. Okay. But you know, um, <laughs> He, I don't think he's winning though. Best actor, getting back to the Oscars. No. I'm, I'm actually think that Joaquin Phoenix is gonna do it. I, I just I have this feeling it's gonna be Joaquin Phoenix. And him and I, I won't say we haven't. We have had a relatively adversarial relationship. I don't like him very much in movies, and I really oh, didn't like him in Gladiator. 
No, I did not like oh, watching Oh, I didn't Phoenix. either. Oh, gosh. I didn't like no. him in that either. I actually, I, yeah, that's and that's before I think of um, his kind of, it seems like he got better uh, as time went on in my head. Yeah, that being said, I Joker has, maybe has its issues here and there. His performance is not one of those issues. I think it's one of the, it, it, it's really a standout performance. And I have once again love that Joker's one of my favorite characters of all time. And he did it justice. Me too. You know, and so, so I think he's got best actor. And we know, and we know Brad Pitt and Laura Dern have the supporting lock at this point. I can't oh, see them locked. losing those. Yeah, absolutely locked. So, so now best actress is still kind of a race. Right now, what do you think? I, I'm thinking it's running between Renee Zellweger, Scarlett Johansson, and maybe Sarosian Ronan right now. Like, I think I think that um, I want to see Scarlett Joe win it for Marriage Story. There was just a lot. I know some people that movie seemed to rub the wrong way with a lot of the long monologues, and it, it, a lot of people were like, uh, seemed that it was kind of show offy with the act, you know. And, and I don't know if that's the right term, but. Uh, um, I really, really loved her in that, but for some reason, I wouldn't be surprised if Sarah Shronen pulls it out for some reason. I don't know why. See, I think it's going to be a scar Joe by a squeak. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to happen. Yeah. I, 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 I think so. However, Sarosh and Ronan, they keep nominating that girl, what, since she was 12 or something, 14? My gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. so at some point she's going to land one of these, right? I mean, she has to. She can't become the Roger Deakins of, of, of Beth right. Well, my problem with Scarlett Joe more so was the Best Supporting nomination for Jojo Rabbit. I, I enjoyed that movie. I didn't love it. I liked it, but I just – when I was really surprised to see her nominated for that role. Maybe it's I, just I, me. No, you're not. My my director of the FP movies, Jason Trost, yeah. was making fun of her accent in that movie. Yeah, isn't it, so she just and she seemed her role was very inconsequential, and a lot of it seemed to be the stuff that worked seemed to be wardrobe and production design, like with her. Like I felt like I didn't really feel like it. She was great, and her. You're right. Her accent is kind of laughable. I, I have yet to see Jojo Rabbit, which is terrible because I've seen every Takio Watiti movie in existence and every TV show he's done. Not all of his acting appearances, but a lot of them, uh, you know, and, and I have yet to yeah. see Jojo Rabbit in. Um, and it, it's been kicking. Uh, things got really crazy here for a while. I think it's about to settle back down again. So I'm going to try to get it in before I fly to Good. Atlanta. To Days of the Dead next weekend, so we'll see. I, I want to oh, get something fantastic. in. I want to get that in, or I want to get Knives Out in. I really want to see both those I films, and I regret not seeing them. Yeah, a lot of people did. One of my friends, Oren, he calls in sometimes. He he added it as his number one film of the year. He thought it was great. Yeah, I th- <laughs> I agree with Oren on that. Not number yeah. one, but I just in ter- if I put JoJo and Knives Out next to each other, I'm probably watching Knives Out every time. Yeah, I- I'm. That'll be interesting, you know. And it's funny because I actually thought it was going to get more nominations than than it did. Um, you know, uh, yeah. like it didn't get it didn't get a production design nomination, and uh, you know, it had amazing production design. Though I, I want. 
but I will say, if you look at the list of production design, because, you know, I'm, I love the tech shit, right? Um, yeah. It's a really good list of movies, and I have no idea who's going to pull this out. Maybe I've got The Irishman, which I have a lot of bitch about The Irishman, but honestly, production design and costuming wasn't one of them. Was well, um, incredible. Yeah. 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 Um, Jojo Rabbit was You weren't a fan delightful. of it, were you? You, No, I didn't you like You weren't it. a fan of the Irishman, were you? No, yeah. No, I, I uh, that's when I need I don't to hate differentiate it. between you know, people say I heard you say this recently and they, and I've been using the quote actually. I, I, I kind of gently stole it from you as the difference between <laughs> worst movie and movie you didn't like. There's you know, if you didn't like a movie strongly, that doesn't mean it was the worst movie of the year. And you no. know, and uh, I yeah, and I agree with you on that. And the Irishman, you know, I love Scorsese, but is there no one else that he can cast? I mean, it just the de aging is so uncanny valley. Which it's up for visual effects, which is I just, uh, that blew my mind, right? You know, but you bizarre, know, bizarre, bizarre. I actually really my favorite production design was Parasite this year. The the, the house they designed oh, for that wow. movie is incredible. But I actually think that the 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 who might get it, and I'm kind of hoping Once Upon a Time in Hollywood gets it. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love. I that. think that I think that's the toughest category. But I think so. Um, I also am going to give some surprise wins. I think that Best Animated Feature is going to go to Klaus this year. Oh, yeah. I've heard great things about that. It, it, I have not seen it. I saw it. It was pretty good. Uh, and it won the Annie. So that makes it a front ah. runner. Uh, so I also saw I Lost My Body, which is really that, weird. I really like that. <laughs> it's really weird, but I did enjoy it. Cool. <laughs> it is really Tom, weird. <laughs> it reminded me of a Tom Robbins book on TV, on film. Oh, wow. Yeah, I never even thought of that. You know? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. That's a good description. See, yeah. See, all these surrealist things we're talking about tonight is so cool. However, I think that, oh, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm looking at it, and so I think Klaus is going to be a surprise win. I also think there's a chance that Ford versus Ferrari – there's a surprise film win in editing. I I actually I think it might compared to what's up for the uh, the rest of the I, awards. I thought it was good. I thought it was surprise. I was surprised that it got nominated, but then when I thought about it, I was surprised at how good I thought it was. And especially the, yeah, the is editing great. is excellent. Yeah, yeah, the cut is great. Totally. So especially the, cha- the the big finale with the car and everything. Some of the it it it, it was up there. Like I actually think it was better than Tropic Thunder. You know, because Tropic Thunder was shit. Oh, it had too. excellent car sequences, but this this was like, and the stakes were higher. You actually were rooting everybody on. It was kind of neat. Um, I, I, this was a surprisingly oh, yeah. good movie. Um, actually. Uh, so, uh, I I think because um. Parasite is not going to win Best Picture and probably is not going to win Best Director. I think it's going to go, even though he has a chance of winning because of the DGA, I think it's going to squeak. It's going to be a squeak out for Once Upon a Time. I think QT's got it. So um, uh, Todd yeah. Phillips did not get a Best Director nod, did he? Yes, he did. He absolutely did. Oh, he did. But I don't I think he's going to win. Oh, okay. No, um, not, I don't think it's going to be close for him. It, I mean, look who is up against Scorsese, Mendes, Tarantino, yeah, and yeah. Bong Joon-ho. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's not even – he's yeah, not even on. in the same league as those guys, and he's good, exactly. but he's not I even in the even, same league as those guys. 
as much as yeah. I love that movie, there's no way I would put his name in that same category of other names. <laughs> there's no way. Um, you know, it's funny because I actually this is it's weird. I have it reversed, and it might go the other way because I have right now I have QT winning best director, and Bong Joon Ho winning writing for Parasite, oh. and I actually think it could flip and go either way. It, it, one of those. That'd be interesting. They're getting one of if, those um, awards. We just don't know which well, one. What if? Um, can okay? Has this ever happened before? Has anything ever won Best Foreign and then won Best Picture? I know they haven't been nominated that many times before, like for both. But has that? That's never happened before, has it? Where Life something won, won Best Foreign Language? Once. Okay. Life is okay. Life is beautiful. I was curious. Life is beautiful. Oh yeah, which I've never seen. Oh <laughs> never my God! Seen. Okay, there's another one right there. We got to write know. this down. Logan's okay. I'm okay. Write this down. Logan's Run. Because we talked about that off yep. air. And then now we yep. have Life is Beautiful, which actually Why I saw. Why do I feel like if Aaron Kogan's listening, he can hear me saying Logan's Run and his eyes just got real wide and his jaw dropped. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny because, um, you know, I saw Life is Beautiful in Santa Fe, New Mexico on New Year's Eve waiting for the um, – the year to kick over. It was such a strange movie to bring in the new year on. Um, oh, wow. I, I yeah. actually want to say this now. It is really good, but it's not my favorite film of his. Um, I actually, Roberto Benigni I, is actually really him. amazing. Um, but I, I think, well, he, he should ch- explore, start exploring his catalog. He's I got a to. very, very to. mixed catalog. Some of it is is really really good and interesting. Um, Life is beautiful is kind of sad and tragic. You might some people like it, some people don't. Um, and but then he also goes really weird. Like he has a movie, he has a, a version of Pinocchio, which was the highest selling movie that year in Europe or something, but absolutely bombed in the states, and it is ridiculous. Um, it's, it's hard really? to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't also, know that. Yeah. We'll talk about, we'll, we'll explore a little bit. I might actually have a Roberto Benigni film I haven't seen. So I'll have to go look and see if I have one. We can do it. We can see, can do an episode yeah. together, but I've definitely seen Life yeah. is Beautiful and I've seen most everything he's done. So I've been watching his films for a while. Uh, so, uh, Did but you he also won Maldivar? for that. No, oh, that's I have right. not started in that as well. Yeah, I haven't I, either. Yeah. I was in fucking I thought, Spain when it came I, out, too. I know. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> I remember. I really wanted to go see it. I was like, subtitles be damned, you know, but I didn't have the time. I still love the I was even pictures. at a movie theater at one point where it was playing. Oh, that's so cool. cool, though. I just should have even been this. there. This this giant mall, which it's in, it was at the top mm-hmm. floor of this giant mall, used to be a bull ring. So it's big, round, beautiful building. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. It's cool. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. Mm. We yeah. don't have those Spain here. is awesome. <laughs> Cost of living oh, is low. Gosh, I've never Everyone's been happy and healthy, and they respect their elders and love children. It, we should just leave and go there. Well, that's, I'm packing right now. Yeah, I'm serious. I am. I'm packing. Let's go to Europe. Let's get yeah, out of this popsicle stand. Um, Before it gets anyway. too bad. Oh, it's already bad. Uh, I, was <laughs> so, to say, I think I'm too. I think I'm too late on that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, we could go into the whole thing, but we don't have to. T- we don't talk about every film or anything. But um, I, I do think that with Parasite wins foreign. If Parasite wins foreign, this is my 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 idea. Okay, here's my theory. Parasite wins yeah. best international feature film. It nineteen okay. se- it loses to nineteen seventeen. But mm-hmm. if Pain and Glory wins, which is close right now, the vote's very close. Right? Yes. Um, Parasite then... upsets nineteen seventeen. Ooh, that would be exciting. That would just be That a would be a great ending. Oscar. And that's how I would play it, but you know, but I don't think it's gonna be that odd. I think it's gonna be the old fogey vote is gonna play and, and even though they finally are acknowledging yeah. that South Korean cinema is a thing that mainstream people love and we have for a long yes. time ass much. My gosh. You know, come on. We have not seen Takashi. You know, we we have not seen what's this guy from Thirst so much. Chanwook Park has should be nominated oh, for an Oscar years ago. years ago. Right? Years ago, right? You know, He's years no ago. Yeah, and and <laughs> so I mean, come on, old boy for crying out loud. Yeah, old you know? boy. Oh, a perfect movie. You know, oh my gosh, I so love I'm really glad we're finally ten, fifteen years too late acknowledging that Korean cinema is amazing. Uh, you know, so but yeah. you know, but you know, do do they do they stray from the past and and no, they they give them the win for international film, but that's what they get, and and but it'll be sad. That's what they get. But you know, did you it, like nineteen seventeen though? I actually haven't seen it yet. Oh, I thought I've you. Seen, I thought you did the other day. No, I did. no, I really I, 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 I I've been trying to see it, but I have watched two or three documentaries on it because I don't really care about the plot. I'm really more interested in how yeah. they shot it. So, uh, yes. So it wins all the mixing awards. I think it wins visual effects over Star Wars, um, and Endgame. I do too. It, um, it should. I, it should. And I think it might get cinematography and because uh, it's not up for editing. Uh, but it is up for cinematography. I don't see any. Uh, maybe that's Roger Dinkins, of course, which would be his second win after what? Which, what twenty-two nominations or something? Twenty-two. Um, yeah, he's yeah. amazing. <laughs> it took him what nineteen yeah. times. Um, I mean, that's so crazy in itself. He was even up against himself one year, and he still lost. Um, but I know. I, still, I was just thinking I that. But I do think that there could be a chance that. Um, once upon a time in America upsets in cinematography. That uh, you know, like I said, I can't not root. I can't be. I can't not be happy for QT, and I loved that movie. Uh, but uh, also, you know, Roger winning again would be. I uh, would be amazing at the same time. Oh, uh, Roger Dinkins is probably my favorite um, uh, cinematographer of all time. I mean, he's shot some of my favorite movies. Um, and even movies that aren't necessarily my favorite movies, his lens is always prevalent, beautiful. It's amazing. And he's Didn't so he good. Did he shoot Assassination so of Jesse James? Didn't he shoot yes, that? Yes, he did, which is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, that's, period. Yeah, and yeah, he that lost that year. the way I thought that's, about it. That's the year he lost to himself because he was also up for No Country for Old Men, and they gave it oh to There gosh. Will Be Blood. Which also is amazing. Which I love film. all those movies. I love all those movies. That was a good that, year. That for, was the year film. that Billy Crystal got. Billy Crystal said during his monologue, "Does Hollywood need a hug?" 
It was a very, very morose year on film. Three of very nihilistic movies. I mean, oh my god! And there's nothing more nihilistic than No Country to Old Men. That is such a nihilistic movie. Oh, the book. Oh my gosh! I finally read the book. I remember coming out. Oh, the Cormac, the Cormac McCarthy, right? Yeah, he writes interesting shit, but all of it's really hard to get through because it's really, really, really somber. I think you know, that he wrote a book that takes place in West Virginia, one of his earlier works. I oh, think really? It takes place somewhere. Yeah, I think it's called Stutter. or I'd have to look it up. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, he wrote one of his earlier books takes place here. <laughs> uh, uh, the first book I read by him was The Road, which is more of a poem, a long-form poem than an actual book. Um, but it's, it's now, also very depressing. Now, talk about The That movie is oh my dark, God. sad. That movie is but, so dark. Yeah. But plausible. Yeah. And that's plausible, terrifying very about it. Very terrifying oh, yeah. movie. Um, so, and, um, so let's take a quick break, and then we should go into sure. our films for the day. Um, I, I was actually leaning towards chronological. Okay. So, so that would put us Popeye, Eric Popeye the Viking. First. All right. Yep, Popeye first, Eric the Viking, Cabin Boy, and then Monkey Bone. That would be the order. Oh, I can't wait to talk about Monkey Bone. Monkey Bone is the best one for last. It really is. I, I mean, love it. I love I'm it. so <laughs> glad you love it. Let's take a He Needs Me break, and I'll be right back. All righty. my own fault that we've been kidnapped. Olives was right. Yeah. Even an orphan needs a mother and a father. Oh. If I was going to be a sweet pea mother, I should have at least let her be his father or visca visca. Oh. I ain't man enough to be a mother. And all at once I knew, I knew at once, I knew he needed me. Until the day I die, I won't know why, I knew he needed me. It could be fantasy, oh. Or maybe it's I'm a dance, I'll take a chance, I will because he needs me. No one ever asked before, before, because they never needed me. But I do. But he does. He does. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Just had to go get a change of of coffee, and we are going into it. 
Now, oh, yeah. how many, Steve, Steve, how many of our fil- four films, which is really ambitious for us, usually we don't do more than two films and a recommendation right. at most, but we're doing four films tonight. How many of these are first watches for you? Uh, I had seen, let's see, one, two, uh, two were first watches, Eric the Viking and um, Monkey Bone, but I hadn't seen, I had realized, I saw Cabin Boy when I was about eight years old as a kid, but I didn't remember it, and I saw Popeye when I was a kid too, which I did remember more of that than I thought, but as an adult, I had not seen any of these. Um. I have seen all these movies. I hadn't watched Popeye in probably 15, 20 years. Um, Cabin Boy, I've watched occasionally over the years. um, Eric the Viking, I almost can tell you verbatim. Um, We'll get to that soon. But Monkey Bone, that was my second time watching Monkey Bone. So we have a lot to talk about. These are all very strange films. So we're going to go chronological. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to start with Popeye. All right. And, and so Popeye, 1980, and oh my God, what way famous director, uh, Robert Altman, of all people. Um, <laughs> and of course, it stars Robin Williams, Shelley Duvall, and has an amazing character cast of people that you would recognize, even if you didn't know their name, you're like, oh, that's him, including Paul L. Smith as Bluto and Paul Dooley as Wimpy. I mean... Oh my God! What you know? We're talking about an '80s cast if you've ever seen one. Um, and Robin Williams was born to play Popeye in many ways. I've always felt, but this movie is rather odd. First of all, it's a full-on. It musical. really is. <laughs> With original songs. It um, it's it almost has, out of uh, time. It, it, it and and. It has Disney money behind it, so full-on songs, and the set still exists to this day in Malta, Sweet Haven, as a tourist attraction. Really? Yes. That I did not know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I ever go to Malta, I would definitely go see the Sweet Haven set. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> I actually remembered quite a bit of this movie. Didn't remember all the plot points. Like there's some middle things in there when he's boxing some dude. I barely remembered, but I remembered most See, of the That's the part I remember stuff. the most. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about your experience rewatching Popeye. You go first. Okay. Uh, sure. Um, well, um, number one, I just wanted to point out that the, you know, he needs me song. I always, I love that song for a completely different reason for Punch Drunk Love. Uh, and the Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson puts that in the end. If, if you, I'm sure you remember that when they finally go to be together. And I thought that was funny because a lot of people have said that Paul Thomas Anderson is kind of like the Robert Altman of this generation or whatever. So I thought that was very cool connection. And um, they use that song in the movie. But um, anyway, I, I think that speaking of perfectly cast, it does seem like Shelley Duvall is also born to play olive oil. And um, but I uh, my thoughts on it are, first of all, it seemed to me when I said a minute ago, it seems like a movie out of time. It doesn't seem or play 
like a movie from 1980 to me. It seems like an old Hollywood film, like much older than that to me. Um, you know, very big studio, big sets, uh, you know, uh, lots of song and dance numbers. But it also, there's something, I can't really put my finger on it, but there is a train wreck um, uh, aspect to it, but not in, in necessarily a bad way, but there's just something odd about it that uh, and I can't, it's not, it, it, play, it, it plays itself way more seriously than uh, you, you feel that it would. And um, I thought that was just kind of odd. And I do, um, I don't know, when you were watching it, did you feel like that all of Robin Williams' dialogue was redone in post? Um, maybe. I definitely think he was improvising, but I think the whole screenplay is really weird. It is. It's just it's very odd. What I don't know what other saying, word to say. How they're saying it to each other. There's all this whole thing yeah. about fooey, fooey, fooey. Everyone says fooey uh, when they're cussing. Yeah, you know, uh, there's some really <laughs> weird shit going on in this movie. There, it's like uh, a, you know. it's such a Hollywood oddity. I mean, it is such a Hollywood oddity. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I put on the subtitles because you know you really have to pay attention to Robin Williams' performance in this movie because he's just rapid fire, and and he's, oh, he's and just some, going Sometimes off. it's really insane. Sometimes it doesn't work, yeah. but other times you can tell yeah. when he's going off script, you know, and you can also Y'all tell when, when, when the writers are writing for him, they're giving him one-liners, and he's very good at dropping one-liners. Mm-hmm. And this is the and, coked uh, out Robin Williams. He he was still, I think, you know, he was really funny in this time period, yeah, even though it was, almost killed him. Still, even though yeah, even though he did almost die uh, from drug abuse, I I kept thinking that the whole time. I kept I kept seeing, even though tragically, I'm not trying to make light of the situation because no, he is it, sadly no longer with us. But I do think backstage, I could just see him constantly doing cocaine. Uh, yeah, like he, I, yeah, I think he had to to do this performance. Um, oh, the hell else can you? It's his spinach. <laughs> And, and give a shout out to his stunt double because his stunt double in this movie is doing some amazing work, especially dancing. Oh. Um, so I, I do want to yes. give him give give his um, his stunt double a shout out in Popeye. Um, Jelly Duvall, I, yeah, you know it's funny. I found out how divisive a lot of people either really like her in this movie or don't like her. I never questioned her as like olive oil ever like you know if i was going to cast somebody as olive oil it would have been shelly duvall would be like at the top of the short list uh, who would have been right? better is my question yeah who would have ah. been better is my question i and mean i don't think period? anyone could have been no, yeah and the problem, i mean i, I don't think even she's the best and you know nowadays they would like they would cast someone quote quote hotter than shelly in olive oil oh sure nowadays yeah, you know they play uh, up, in, yeah yeah because, you know, Shelly Duvall would isn't, be sexy. Isn't, yeah, she isn't gorgeous in a traditional sense. She just got some very interesting face to look at on camera. Like, she's just, a, you know, an interesting person, period. Right. And she's a decent, actually yes. decent, I mean, she really does method. She tries to go all out when she's doing her, and it almost killed her in The Shining. Uh, so, I was getting ready to the same thing, uh, yeah, until she met Stanley Kubrick, and uh, that seemed to not go too well, to say the least. 
which that was right on top of this, right? She would have been, been making these not that far apart from each other. Uh, no, actually, no. They the uh, Shining would be the next year, 1981, right? Yeah, right? yeah, that's what I thought. I, I, the Shining's the next year. So yeah, she was. She must have been in Europe a lot in uh, 1978, 79. <laughs> so doing I mean, work. how crazy <laughs> is that to to swing back and forth? And you know. Speaking of Shelley Duvall, a lot of people seem to have that general reaction with her period because I know that she gets a lot of flack as Wendy Torrance as well. And I know it's because a lot of a lot of people say it's because she's different than King wrote her, but everything about Kubrick's film is different than the way King wrote it. Um, I don't even I, I don't even count that, you know what I'm saying? That's like whatever. Right, right, right. Which <laughs> so, I, you know I really I thought she was perfect. You know who surprised me was in this movie, and I totally forgot was, and she pops up only for a couple of scenes sequences. But Linda Hunt is in this movie. You know, well, I knew which, you were going to say that. I, me too. I was so surprised to see Linda Hunt in this movie. And Linda Hunt is a badass. I mean, she's done some really hardcore movies, you know, and yeah. and it was just funny to see her in Popeye of all things. Popeye. Uh, yeah. You know. That's the thing. This was one of those movies that, you know, that how do I explain this? You know, it, of course it's a children's film to 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 a large degree. Yeah, they it cut. It's a PG. It'd be PG yeah. thirteen if it came out nowadays. It was PG then, exactly. but exactly. But there's they say shit. Um, there's a lot of sex yep. jokes. Um, a lot you know, of sex jokes. A lot of sex jokes. Uh, you know, I, I, so I don't really believe it's fully for kids. I think kids can watch it. You know, I, I, exactly, there's nothing yeah. in it that's offensive, I think. But there's a lot of sex jokes. Now, a lot like Monkey Bone, that was <laughs> Monkey Bone, a lot more sex yeah, jokes. Oh, Monkey Bone's the whole other story. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, no, there's definitely sex jokes. And, and Popeye's the one who says shit. Yeah, Popeye himself it, says shit, and I just yeah. thought this is Robert Altman, and of all people, it's just Robert Altman. When I, because I'm a big Altman fan, and to think of all his other movies, you know, like The Long Goodbye, and from everything from that to Gosford Park, I mean, you know, Nash. Nashville, and then Popeye. It's just it's such an odd piece of film to be right smack in the middle of his filmography. It, it definitely is an odd deck. I mean, and, and but I think it's watch. I, I it's watchable. It's absolutely rewatchable. Oh yeah, because there's so much yes, detail in the production design alone. Uh, you can get a lot out of it. The songs are odd but infectious. Like there's a few of them that yes. stick with you. Like he needs me and Sweet Haven, and then I gladly play you Tuesday for a hamburger for today is basically <laughs> pop culture, right? So, people still uh, say that now. I mean, people, yeah, they don't even know is, what the reference is to when they say I know. It, that's know? what I was thinking. I said, I bet that I could ask five people to say this, and none of them could tell me what it's from. Yeah. You know, and, and I also want to give a shout out to my our, our, you know, he's a geek lover. We love this guy because he comes up in a lot of the films we love. Paul L. Smith is Bluto. He anchors the film. Oh, yes. He absolutely anchors the film. Um, I actually think he's giving a better performance in some ways than, than Robin is, because Robin's winking at the camera a little bit. Bluto is just an ass, and I kind of love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, yeah, and, he's you not know, winking at the camera. <laughs> no, he's not winking at the camera at all. And, and you know, and, and yet, it, it, like, 
he, that character and the guy from Pieces aren't really that far from each other. They're really not. I was thinking the same. It's so funny you say that because that's you're absolutely. I agree, a hundred percent. So we, you know, this, so I would say we recommend this film to not uh, everyone, yes. but I do not everyone's we, gonna like this movie. No, but I think a majority yeah. of people do like this film, and I like I said, it, it's yeah. infectious. It's definitely an acquired taste. Uh, I mean, musicals oh, are yeah. anyways, <laughs> but this is such an odd duck musical. I mean, that the Disney was the co-producer of this film, like really kind of blows my mind that it's a, it's got Disney money behind that until it. Until I hit play. Yeah, yeah same here. I had forgotten that until I started <laughs> watching it. Yeah, I, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> it's a Disney. Disney movie? But, it's not all Disney yeah, movie, yeah. but yeah. Matter of fact, it's interesting. Two of these films are actually Disney films because uh, Monkey Bone was Touchstone. It, so, uh, that's, yeah, well, yeah, no, that's Cabin right. Boy was Touchstone. Cab- that's even weirder to me that Cabin yeah. Boy had Disney fingerprints on it. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> all right, so next film, next film. What, uh, so, if you, right now, Netflix is showing Popeye if you have Netflix and Pluto Television, which is one of my favorite apps of all time. Um, oh, it, yeah. It, it's, it's free on, you can get it on free. Watch it for free on Pluto Television. Which, if you don't have that app on your Roku or Fire Stick, what are you doing owning one? Go do that. Download it immediately. Some of the best channels on the internet are on Pluto Television. I love it. And even though I don't, it's funny though. You know what I end up watching the most though? What? Riff tracks. Riff tracks. Oh, Riff Tracks. You can't go wrong with yeah, Riff Tracks. Yeah, so. the Riff Tracks channel. I watched that, and I watched the Mystery Science Theater 3 challenge channel almost interchangeably. Okay, but oh, gosh. I, up- I got You know, I got I got into it recently with somebody who was uh, uh, saying that MST3K ruined pop culture. I got so mad. I was, <laughs> I just I couldn't even – I couldn't handle myself. I got so mad. I usually uh, stay away from Internet arguments these days, but I got you so know, mad. You know, the old – the only time I've had some a guest hang up on the show in anger Whoa. was a Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. Really? What happened? Yes. They they thought it, the move. They thought that this was when the new first new season came out, and they were like, it was garbage and blah blah blah. And we're Aww. like, we're like, uh, we watched it. Were we watching we the liked same thing? Yeah, yeah. We, you know. It seems you like know. mystery science to me. <laughs> anyway, so I they hung it. up. I was really surprised. Oh, I was really? Trying. Oh, I think Aaron said something to piss him off because Aaron just at one point kind of lost it because, you know, Aaron will do that. Mr. Geek Extraordinary, you know, so my cousin. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You could go back and listen to that episode. You'd probably, it's in the top of it. You'll you'll find it pretty fast, so. Uh, That's why I tread lightly on all my Joker love last week, is I didn't want to make Aaron mad. I knew he did not like that movie. <laughs> That's okay. He doesn't have to like a movie. Um, but let's move on. And of course, we lost yeah. a legend um, for my from in oh. my world, Monty Python and Mind the whole. The director of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, one of the most important movies ever. Yeah. Um, Terry Jones. One of my he passed favorites. on. And uh, he is the second of the Monty Python principal cast to pass on. Um, a lot of people don't recognize him as, you know, 
because him and Telly Gilliam were often behind the camera and not in front of it. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wrote mm-hmm. a lot. But anytime you needed a really ugly woman in drag, there you got Terry Jones to do it for you. Uh, you know, he was that's always that's there. That's right, Terry. That's right. Uh, and and he, after Monty Python in 1989, he actually directed a film and gave us the feature debut of Tim Robbins, of all people, um, in a movie mm-hmm. called Eric the Viking, which is actually a very yes, sweet film. And it kind of fits in with our theme tonight. So I thought we would rewatch it just to give some love to Eric Viking and to Terry Jones. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it definitely has his his sway to it. There's a scene in in, in um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail with um, My- Michael Palin, and they're talking about representative governments and democracies and everything. And this one yeah. opens al- almost the same way, except it's Eric the Viking having to loot and pillage a woman, and then they start arguing about like the the political problems with going on raids and raping and pillaging, and he ends up losing his appetite for it. And it. But it is such a Monty Python moment. There's a couple of Monty Python moments. It really moments is. In there. Like the boat dropping on the guy and killing him. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff is oh, definitely yeah. Monty Python. You know, ah, that is so Python, yeah. Yeah. But that but opening a, is straight. It seems like a cut sketch almost. It it, it it really feels more like a series of sketches than a full-on movie, I've always thought, you know, because you can come in at different oh, yeah. parts. and um, It's also free on Pluto television, so if you've never seen Eric the Viking. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's aging as well as Popeye. Popeye has a weirdly, oddly timeless feel. This movie definitely feels like a late 80s film. Yes, it does. It is a little bit more dated than I thought it was going to be. Um, I was expecting it to not be dated at all, but it actually was kind of dated. I don't mean that it was so dated you can't watch it, but I, it was a little dated. It was a little dated. Um, it was still cool to see Tim Robbins so young. Oh, my gosh. My so gosh. Young. So young. Um, you know, yeah. and then you had Imogene Stubbs is in there so young as well. And, you oh know, it's like these gosh. really young people. Um, and then you had some, like, but then, like, the, the, the supporting cast is so amazing in this movie, even though they only have a few minutes. Terry Jones plays a character in the second half of the film, which is the most memorable thing, is their visit to High Brazil, which is probably the funniest part of the movie, when they get to High Brazil, where they have to find the horn, and the, 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 the characters sing oh, and all yeah. that. But, you know, it's, and he's, he's the king, and he's really funny. Uh, but, you know, you also had Eartha Kitt in a cameo. You have Mickey Rooney in a cameo. Mickey, I, mean, I was gonna say Mickey Rooney's Mickey in there Rooney too. In the cameo, oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, Freddie Freddie Jones is in the movie for a hot second. Um, you know, and it's it's just like it's it's actually it really got a surprisingly strong cast for such an odd film. It it I think though it's it's themes are cool like. Like I, the, I, Ragnarok has always fascinated me, and I love Norse mythology. So I thought that was yeah. neat that it starts in the age of Ragnarok, which is the end of the world, which we are facing right now. Uh, and uh, yes, you know, the ultimate. Uh, the problem with Rag, a lot of people don't realize the problem with Ragnarok is that it's definitely it's an endless battle that never stops. And Vikings love right. that shit. Me, not so much. Uh, you know what I'm no, saying? Not so much. Me, I can do no. without it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, 
However, the, I do want to point out that my favorite performance in the whole movie is probably John Cleese as Captain the Black. He plays the arch villain oh, in it. I was wondering he if you were going to bring that up. Of course. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, that opening sequence where he's giving sentence to all those people, I still think is one of the funnier moments in the movie. And it's, and it's definitely, it, it brightens the whole movie up once he enters it. It does. And I think that that was actually one of John Cleese's better performances in anything I've ever seen. And uh, it, it, it is, as you said, hilarious, and it adds a certain, I don't know, lightness, the word I'm looking for to the film. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's absolutely hysterical, and I just, you know, watching this movie, uh, especially with, you know, Terry Jones' passing, um, I just, it made me just, it, one, it made me remember being a little kid and being introduced to all these uh, these guys in Monty Python, and, and it made me kind of, it made me a, a little bit sad, a little nostalgic. And there's always been a really strong Monty Python theme in my family's house, and, and my husband's especially. His dad was working at San Francisco PBS when the Flying Circus debuted. Um, so, uh, oh, that's you know, so cool. Yeah, so it, it it's always had a deep connection. Even though, oh. get this, I didn't actually see Holy Grail until I was a senior in high school. And guess who showed it to me? Wow. My husband. Even though I know my mom had seen it and my dad had Whoa. seen it, they'd watched it, they would quote it. They wouldn't let me watch it. They thought it was too graphic. Well, yeah, well, there is there is the back there. You know, I, th- I I can see where they would say that in parts of the film. They the, also wouldn't um, let me watch The Meaning of Life either. Out. Oh well, the meaning of life, I think, is worse than uh, in terms of oh. of adult material than the my, Holy my Grail. Oh, can I tell you my up. Monty Python story? Oh yes, go ahead. I'm Mine sorry. Is not as good. Okay, ahead, I just I had to tell one. I, it actually involves uh, uh, my dad. Uh, actually, we went to see Spam a lot, and one of the we used to go to New York over Thanksgiving a lot, and we saw Spam a lot one year. It was a new play back then. It was hard to get tickets, and it was when Clay Aiken from American Idol was in it. And we sat in the very second row, and the whole time they're searching for the Holy Grail. They're searching for the Holy Grail, and uh, the guy that is uh, – oh, gosh, I forget his name. Terry Gilliam played him in the movie with the cloppity-clop, the fake horse, uh, but you know, with the coconuts. He, can't, he comes down, and they look out in the crowd, and they say, oh, look, the Grail's right there. And a big hand comes down and points to my dad's seat, and uh, the actors come off stage, and they say – stand up sir and when they stand up he tosses the whole crowd can see he you know but they're not supposed to but they they can he tosses the grail behind my dad under the chair and then picks it up like he founds it finds it and he drags my father on stage and they get his name and they sing his name in this song that's like don wandling your name will live for you know like and then they slide in and play and takes this polaroid of him with all the cast and they gave him a foot that says best peasant that's that was one like of our favorite best. memories. Uh, yeah, it was. Awesome. And my dad. Yeah, it was so much fun, and my dad is so reserved. It was just in quiet. It was so do, funny. Do you still have the photo? Oh yeah, and he still has the foot that they gave him that says. It, best you you should award. scan that into Facebook and post it. Oh, I should. I'm, I I will have to talk to my mom and get that, but I will. If nothing <laughs> else, just so you have a preserve a preservation copy, you know. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Everything's so, on Facebook now anyway. <laughs> Google Photos and but Facebook. But that's my Monty Python tale. That's awesome. All I was going to say is that growing up, the way my bunk bed sat, I could see his beeline to the television. So I stayed up a lot later oh, cool. than I really should have been. And so I watched <laughs> me in life when my parents did. And I was mad because I really loved the song Every Sperm is Sacred, and I was not allowed to sing it out loud. So. Oh, I'm not allowed to sing the sperm. Every sperm is sacred. I love that song. It's like, it's like Mom, Dad, come on. You know, no, that, I, it, oh, I see you have the machine that goes ping. You know. Yeah. So. yeah. That I, movie I, really blew my mind when I saw it, too. In terms of, like, I had seen a lot of Flying Circus and the Holy Grail. But then Meaning of Life, like I was saying, is, is more adult i was not really i had no idea how much more adult it actually was i i was allowed to see flying circus but for some reason i wasn't allowed to see the movies and i don't know why to this day because i could have handled it but then again you know my parents were little not conservative they just like like i didn't even see a slasher till 1988 you know i wasn't allowed like horror films were allowed Slashers were not. Most most we got Slashers was were not. And Sword and Sandal was completely allowed too. I could see blood if there was tits in it. What? I don't yeah. know. I mean there's some of those movies are just as naughty as the slasher movies. Oh, just as naughty. And you know, maybe with the slashers, you know, I, I, I actually read a paper about how um not, I didn't write a paper. I read a paper about, uh, just to be clear, about how slashers were basically just reinforcing a lot of Reagan uh, era moral code. Did and, you see yeah, that? Yeah, it, yeah it's, they're not necessarily wrong. Um, there, there has always been this like whole thing about punishing the, you know, what he's punishing them for are vices and not actually doing anything wrong, which is a very conservative Reaganistic 1980s notion so you yeah. know there's a, you, you could have an honest debate about that in flashers now most of those articles like that are saying I'm right and everybody else is wrong and and it's like That's no flashes are over for interpretation even flashers I think it was and, a and Mary the, Sue article maybe I can't remember Mar- Mary somebody Sue like was Mary hit and miss for me I mean, I've Me actually too. fought with Mary Sue over a couple of things they've said. Well, you know, Mary Sue is always right. Mary Sue is always right. That's that's my I, problem. You know, with Mary the whole Sue. idea <laughs> that that pinup girls are, you know, I was like, I can't diss on pinup girls as you know, because I think exploitative roots matter, and I like exploitation films. They, there's a place for them. I do too. Them. You know, All and they you know, the problem with pinup girls. She did. Remember that? Remember when they went after? This is way digression, but we'll switch to the next movie. Um, but yeah. uh, do you remember when uh, there was that person like landed the satellite on the comet and like it was like a big deal? Do you remember a couple years back? Oh, and yeah, he, I'd forgotten he got, about that. He got popped for wearing his favorite. He was did the press conference in a in a Hawaiian style shirt that was made by his That's friend right. who was a woman that had pinup girls on it from like John Carter from Outer Space and things like that. And Mary yeah. Sue and all these women went after this little nerdy guy who really didn't realize he was offending people. He was just wearing his friend's shirt 
you know, and, you yeah. know, you know, slightly on the spectrum, leave him alone. I totally I t- disagreed with them on I know so many levels about that. And, and most women that I know that are into pinups, you know, and I'm I'm not the perfect person to comment on this issue, obviously, but most women that I do know that are into, say, pinups or burlesque or doing photography, it's very – it seems to be a very empowering thing for them um, and, well, and not and, necessarily – and, you know? and if you look at the image, she wasn't John Carter naked or vampire naked. She was wearing a cat suit right. like, uh, like the Avengers. You know, that's right. Like, yeah. You know, I, I, the whole that whole incident, and that was like the first time people, someone like that, got shamed on the internet. And I was like, this isn't right, guys. This is not right. And and as well, a science an fiction nerd, now. I cannot deny the pinup roots of science fiction, and you can't make me. No, you can't. You because it would be it would just be ignoring a fact. Yeah, exactly. You know, we we can have the conversations on it. Is it an outdated cultural reference? I'll I'll give you sure. a good argument, but, I, but I'm not. No, you guys need to chill a little bit on that. Anyway, that's like I told you, a massive digression. But that was the worst Sorry. incident. <laughs> now that that was a couple of years ago, though. But Mary Sue isn't always right. Now we are complete in agreement on Frozen Two being the best one of the best films of the year, and I really oh. like that. They, <laughs> so I and they also it. like. Yeah, me. Oh, you did. No, I loved it. I loved it too, and I didn't. You know, I shame shame bell ring out if it must, but I have not seen Frozen, and I loved Frozen too. I got a breakdown oh. from my ten year old niece before the movie started, <laughs> and I loved her synopsis. <laughs> so, uh, well, the, and then Frozen two recreates the first movie in the sequence, which is hysterical. Yeah, yeah, and it, I, I, uh, I honestly—that's the first animated kids film I have seen in a theater. Oh my gosh, I couldn't even tell you when. Um, along years and years, and it, I, I had a, an absolute blast. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it, I, I, I was actually completely in love with that movie, and I think it, like I said, it came in number two in my list but and i and i still say and 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 now that you that elsa and uh danny from midsummer are the two sides of the same coin and and they're very similar stories about the heroine journey just uh, one of them is really twisted oh wow i never even thought of that that is a crazy paper to write <laughs> that would yeah, be a head no. turner yeah <laughs> So let's move on. Speaking of head turners, and this is our last of our boat-themed movies, um, and this would uh, be 1994's Cabin Boy, which is wow. a very, once again, odd duck, very much an odd duck. Yes. Um. Uh. There's a lot of interesting things about it. One of them is Chris Adam Resnick directed and wrote this, right? So he, he you know, mm-hmm. so he got some cred in there. Um, it's produced by Touchstone Pictures, so there's some cred there. Which Disney is money, yeah, yeah. But there's Disney and money. Tim Burton was involved as well. Yeah, Tim Burton was. I think Tim Burton on this yeah. movie. That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it stars Chris Elliott, who was in a hit show. What was it? I forget. Get a life, I think it's called, and he was a, a, a grown a grown up paper boy, which actually is pretty funny. 
It was, yeah. Well, I act, yeah. It, no, go ahead. But I, I, I agree. I think no, it was no, very funny. no. Please, I was letting you talk about Get a Life. Uh, I just wanted to say. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to talk about Cabin Boy. Get no, Get a Life. That is too. Very funny. I'm just going to agree with you. Okay. Oh, uh, no, all no. I wanted to say about Cabin Boy is that the okay. I think that Cabin Boy. Oh gosh, I'm, I may regret saying this from someone, but um, you know, it, it is a very critically derided film and is always considered terrible. Um, I even remember as a kid people making fun of it a lot as to how bad it supposedly was, and watching it here. I honestly think it's very, very smart and very funny and a great, uh, you know, like anti-comedy or whatever they call it now. I, I just think that if it would have come out oh, anywhere from 10 years to five years ago, I think that it would have been a hit. Um, like, I don't know, maybe Louie's not the right person necessarily, but someone like that, like um, – it, it just I think it was a movie before its time because I think when I watched it and he's got Andy Richter in it and a lot of, I think that uh I honestly think if it would have come out a little bit later, I think that people would remember that movie a lot more fondly. I think that it was kind of uh it just it was one of those movies that got there it, it got there too early it, it it's very it, it's so weird. Um, you know, Chris Elliott yeah. was actually at the height of his television career, but he'd actually been involved with television most of his life. And his dad was Bob Elliott, who was of the famous Bob and Ray duo. So he knew comedy. Oh, but uh-huh. there, the, you know, it also came out the same year that David Letterman hosted the Oscars. And that was an oh, interesting wow. experience. And I remember, I, and, and they, he actually makes several references to Cabin Boy all through the Oscars, uh, and, yeah. and uh, the, including the famous Uma. And uh, so I wrote when I watched it, yeah. Uma Oprah. <laughs> only old people would remember what that is. I find Chris Elliott absolutely insufferable in this movie. Y'all insufferable, totally, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. yes, some of it is by design. I get that. Um, but more I, than that. <laughs> uh, it really doesn't start to pick up until about 20 minutes in. When they hit Hell's Bucket, the movie takes a massive shift into surrealism. And that actually becomes yes. really watchable. <laughs> and, right. and there are people that love this movie. I know a few people that found out I was re- reviewing this movie, and they're like, one of my favorites, you know. So there are people that it does have a strong cult following out there. I was surprised to learn that. As I think, you know, I think that I'm in that club. I After watching uh, it again, I think I'm in that club. Most of it is good. That's the only way I can explain Cabin Boy. Most of it is good. Um, production design is fun as fuck. The boat, the the filthy <laughs> whore is a gorgeous boat, actually. The I filthy actually really whore, and what a great, fil- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what a name for a It just boat. makes me laugh. Yeah, um, hell, laugh. <laughs> Hell's Bucket is like looks like a, a an old seafaring map to the point that the clouds even have faces and blow storms at you. Um, yeah, yeah. Which there's I love monster, that. There's the monsters and Kali the goddess mm-hmm. and a giant. I mean, there's just so much going on in this movie. And in the middle of it is Chris Elliott's really annoying, bizarre performance that I, I, I like, like, 
it gets better. It does a it gets better through the runtime, but I actually find him just as obnoxious after he becomes a man than before that. Oh, just as bad. He never he never becomes remotely likable. That is one thing. He never becomes you're right. He never becomes remotely, you know, not obnoxious. I, I also have an issue with Mo Laurel Walters, who plays the love interest, uh, Trina. By the way, I love all the pirates. I think they're great. They're the best thing about the film. Oh, they're great. But, uh, yeah. but Mo Laurel Walters starts out, her character Trina starts out actually really funny and fun and feisty. And then, like, over the runtime, she just becomes, like, this vapid cipher, you know, with not anything to offer uh-huh. the movie other than plot device. You know, and I, I really They don't think- give her anything to do. They don't give her anything to do, and what she's given to do dialogue-wise is just corny and weird. Um, you know, it doesn't yeah. work. Now, something that does yeah. work is all the animated characters. There's lots of stop animation. There's a lot of puppetry. That's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, the, the sets are definitely sets. Like, the filthy whore is clearly on a set with a backdrop. Doesn't matter. It, it, the, the verisimilitude of, of the piece keeps it surreal enough. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and so uh, there's all that going on for it. And the, the, I'll tell you the moment that made me love this film. There is one moment, and it's actually not that far into it. It's when he's put on the raft and he's sent out two miles. Like they leave him on a raft to, in the exposure because they yeah. don't like him. And he's annoying to the characters mm. in the movie too. The characters all everyone is in agreement this guy is annoying as fuck. Um, yeah, and know. the audience. <laughs> oh yeah. The audience hates him. The characters in the movie hate we all hate him. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he starts to hallucinate and then Jim Cummings, float my one of my favorite voice actors, floats around and goes, I know what you're saying to yourself. What's weirder than seeing a floating cupcake in the middle of the ocean? How about one that's tobacco? Yeah. <laughs> and then he flies and off. It, and it just does. It's the weirdest thing. It's, it's the best. I'm sorry. That moment. It's so woke, funny. When I first saw it, it woke me up. When I saw it again, it wakes you up every time. It's just like, what yeah. the fuck is that? And it's such a weird monster. It's got sharp teeth. And, you know, yeah. It's like, it's, it's it's that moment alone is worth watching the movie for. That's what I was getting ready to say. That's worth the price of admission alone. That's where um, but really the Sharky's design, which is the Mer Shark guy, he's cool too. I mean, there's a lot of cool things about this film, and I don't think it should be dismissed as. I mean, it's only been nominated for Razzies and film nominations like that, but there's so much interesting things happening. You really can't call it the worst film. Maybe it was the worst no. film in 1994, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I'd have to think, but I mean, um, you know, I don't like Forrest Gump. I'm just kidding. I don't, I'm just kidding. Um, um, I mean, but I, that was a joke. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it's not that it's a bad film. Maybe it's because of its competition that year. Because ninety four, yeah, that was a good year for films. Um, it was Pulp Fiction came out, and Shawshank Redemption, and Lion King, um, Leon the Professional, holy shit, Legends of the Fall, oh my Clerks, gosh, what a good movie! It's Natural oh, Born Killers, oh, The Mask, now Interview with the Valentine, The Crow, Flintstones. Oh my gosh! Ace Ventura. You know how many? I, I saw oh, a lot of these films. I saw first run in theaters. 
Um, and yeah, especially you know, I think that's when I must have. Oh, Forrest Gump, but we'll forgive it. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I hate. No, Forrest I was just Gump. saying. I think that I actually did too because I was like, uh, I think I was. Uh, I hate saying like. Uh, I I, <laughs> I was uh, nine years old, and there was just a. I've mentioned before there was just this very small rundown two cinema movie theater where I lived. And you could go see anything, and I remember going to see Ace Ventura, and uh, I think Dumb and Dumber. Uh, my brother took me to see Pulp Fiction, and they let me in. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, and then, I mean, he was only thirteen or maybe fourteen, and you know, I was nine. And because uh, I remember Pulp Fiction actually terrified me, uh, just the violence in it really. I took got my to whole me. family. But, I took Paul and Mike to see it. Then I went back and took my friend Kat to see it. I kept bringing people back to see Pulp Fiction. I'm like, let's go see oh. this movie. Didn't you see it? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> I just oh, yes. kept yes, going I back have. to Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. It's I mean, amazing. seriously. That's I mean, how that I, so like, I, I saw it like four times. Yeah, I saw it four times first run. And then when it got revived at the Revival House a year later, I went again. <laughs> I was just like, this movie I mean, is important. it's so good. How could you not so, see it as many times as you could? Oh, my God. I mean, it, it, actually, that, that QT, I mean, 94 was two years after I graduated high school. So I was just living on my own in my first house. And I was going to see films, the ones I wanted to see. <laughs> you know? So right. I've seen a lot of really good movies that, that year. Freedom. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, you know, it was that was wonderful. Um, and 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 being in San Francisco in the East Bay at that time period, there was like art houses upon art houses, and they were always filled with people and. You know, oh, and they so and cool. you could see so many movies that were like, you know, now we'd stream them, right? We, you know, but in right. those days you'd have one theater screening in San Francisco somewhere. <laughs> you know, you could go find it. And it, it's and, totally different experience. And uh, the one that I that I kind of, that I definitely miss. I mean, I don't I don't mind the. I definitely appreciate because especially where I live, um, uh, you know. God bless streaming because without it, I wouldn't see a lot. But uh, um, yeah, because the multiplex here can be quite limited sometimes. And we happen to get, I don't know if they I, I show these films everywhere. I don't think they do, but they show a lot of faith based films here that'll take up room at the multiplex. And I doubt they show those films in uh, bigger areas, but they sell here. But so, you know. Well, you're in, you're in Charleston, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Charleston, West the Virginia. Real, <laughs> the real, there's only one really good movie theater, and you have to drive an hour to get there. And it's the there's an art house in Huntington that's really good. Yeah, I can't, I can't think awesome. of the name of it. Yeah, but you have to drive to get it. I think it's Pullman Square. No, that's it's the Pullman big Square. One. That's where we went. Uh, uh, Rachel went to school there. It's a college there. And mm-hmm. she, we, we actually drove there in November to see uh, – we did a double header of The Lighthouse and Jojo Rabbit. It was the only place oh, well, they were playing in the whole state. Yeah, I saw – what did I see there? I saw 127 Hours, the Danny Boyle movie there. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm surprised yeah, so, you've been there. I'm, <laughs> I, small I, world. When I, 
I've I've been I know Huntington quite well actually. That it has a music park there, uh, Camden Park, and um, and yeah. its dark ride is one of the last examples of its kind in the world. A combination dark ride and gravity coaster takes about a minute that's to go through the ride. That's very true. Mm-hmm. I'm so that's so, I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear that you you know this. <laughs> I love it. I, I don't usually hear people spout back Huntington facts at me. Yeah, and I've been to Fatty. Oh, was it Fat Patties? Is that where Fat the Patties? Big... Yeah, very good. Yes, I've been there too. I think everyone goes there it's on their popular. first visit, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah. really popular. Yeah. yeah, burgers are they they do do a good burger, but I just can't eat that much more meat nowadays. No, yeah, you know, like, I can't either. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. You want to? You're you're definitely a carnivore <laughs> if you're eating there a lot. Um. So speaking of carnivores. Okay, that wasn't a very good <laughs> transition, but I got it. Um, it let's worked. talk about our last movie, which oh, and, and uh, which ones were the first watches again? Eric the Viking was the first watch, right? Eric the Viking was the first watch, and um, uh, this was my other first watch. Yeah. So as a first watch, let's go back to Eric the Viking. Then we're gonna concentrate on Monkey Bone here. As a first watch, sure. without like breaking down the film as an art geek, as a nerd as we do, yeah, did, did the film hold up? Oh, you said it definitely felt like its time period, but um, does it does it, age, it was, does it hold up? I, not as well as I would have liked it to. Uh, honestly, I enjoy it, and uh, but I wondered after I watched it how much of it did I enjoy because I enjoyed the people involved because I do think it's a, a decent film. Uh, I don't think it's bad, but I, I like I, like we'd said, I think it's kind of dated, and um, I wouldn't not recommend it, but I would recommend it to people that are into um, Terry Jones and uh, you know Monty Python specifically. If you're a Monty Python completist, absolutely include this in your in your yeah. viewing. Other than that, I don't think um, you're going to love it. I think you absolutely are on the nose with that one. I, I, everything you said was completely fair about the piece. I, I love it for sentimental reasons, not necessarily because it's great. I love it because, yeah, because right. you got Eartha Kitt, Mickey Rooney, and Freddie Jones, and all these wonderful people that you want to see over and over again. Uh, you know, doing work together, oh, and their yeah. charisma on, and their charisma on stream is really strong in that film. I mean, nobody's phoning it in; everyone's having fun. No, and yeah. who, who knew it was also ahead of its time? Nowadays, Viking comedies are all over the fucking place. We talk about I Vikings. Know. There are Vikings everywhere. We have the TV show Vikings, and then you could even add Midsummer into that mix if you wanted to. Yeah. And, and, and then there's that weird show on – oh, The Last Kingdom is a Viking show. And there was that oh, yeah, comedy. Yeah. There's that comedy, that uh, the the Viking comedy. I can't think of the name of it, but, it, like, it's really weird. Uh, and So there oh. actually is a Viking comedy on, uh, like, right now. On uh, Netflix, what was it? Was it called? Do you know what I'm talking about? It actually is one of the biggest shows in Scandinavia. Uh, comedy. I, of course, I love Vikings as a show. I named my cat Ivar the Boneless. Um, Norseman. That's the name of the movie. Norseman. I haven't Norseman. seen it. I haven't seen. It. Uh, I've seen one and a half. Um, one and a half seasons. Uh, it, it's very strange, but it's funny in a weird but it's a viking comedy you took vikings and made jokes about them you know so so in that way eric the viking was ahead of his time
time. We have a caller. Oh, wow. Let's bring him on. Hello, 913. You're in the uh, you're on with the Repo Nerds. Hey, it's Mike Katz. Mike, how you doing? Hello. I had hello. Uh, hello. Glad to call Thank in and contribute you. to the cause. How's it going? Fine. Thank you for calling. We always how love when you? we have a caller. I um yeah, well 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 what it Enticed me to do so was I think I missed the boat on this. You, you were talking about Popeye. I think you already probably did that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Talk about it. What do you want? To, what do you want to say about Popeye? Oh, I I just no. I noticed the that was part of the discussion. I don't think a movie's traumatized me more than that growing up. Actually, from what I remember. You were traumatized. Uh, what traumatized you? Yeah. Okay, man. I out of all the horror flicks and other weird stuff we've probably all seen over the years. That one definitely, I think, tops almost all of them, what I can remember off the top of my head. Well, so, what, what makes you freak out about that film? Is it the atmosphere, the octopus at the end? I mean, what? The octopus, I think, isn't bad. I think where they missed the, I think where they missed a ton on that was they tried to interpret a comic into the real, into like the real world with a lot of desaturated colors and just a weird down-to-earth atmosphere with cheesy acting where they should have, I think, done more, like, poppy colors. They should have made it, they should have made it look more of a, of a fantastical world to match the just over-the-top corniness, but instead, I think they tried to they, it looked like it was played straight, but the acting and songs, it was completely over-the-top. I think it was just a mismatch of tone from what they are going for. That's just one uh, yeah opinion on that and maybe you and I missed your discussion earlier but that's one of the it's usually my consistent argument when I bring up to people why I just don't think it works overall you're not wrong there is definitely a weird tonal shift all through the film like it doesn't really know what it wants to be because you know one Mm -hmm. moment we have like this huge slapstick thing happening and the next minute they're singing some pretty little song to Sweet Pea I mean it's all over the place and I but do remember it too, works. Mike, as a little kid. Uh-huh. Sorry, sorry. Go oh, ahead. Oh no, you're always just going to say sometimes those tone works for me. Sometimes those weird, jarring, mismatched tones do just overcome everything else and end up working. But in this case, I just don't think it did. It's funny because I actually, in many ways, think it actually does work in some way. Because I, I, like I said, the set still exists and people go there on vacation. Um, and so it's a beautiful set. So in, in that way, I can appreciate it. And I think the songs, some of them actually still hold up. Like I said, we still hear them. We do. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the traumatizing part is I can't get them out of my head. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, mission, maybe mission accomplished. So look at that. Mission accomplished on their part, right? 30 years yeah. later. Yeah. Shoot, 40 years later. Uh, still memorable. I so, do agree with you that uh, it's actually unsettling in a way, though, and I didn't. we didn't really talk about that. But when I do remember, I had, um, it, re- it wasn't exactly a first watch for me because – uh, I, I uh, had seen it when I was probably eight a couple of times. I remember it being on TV, and I remembered it pretty well. And what I do remember about it was um, being 
uh, feeling like I didn't really have my bearings straight the entire film. Like I could, like you said, like I couldn't really get a grasp on exactly how I was supposed to feel as a kid watching that movie. And it did kind of, it, there was an unsettling tone about it a little bit. That's actually, you probably summed up perfectly what I was trying to convey. It's not try yeah, traumatized, not in a traditional horror film sense, traumatized in a sense of you, you, you know, you watch, you know, an indie cult film or an indie horror classic, you expect to maybe be, you know, a little bit on edge. But for something like that, when you're expecting to just enjoy and be very G-rated, you just, it's just a very, the tone is very just unsettling and it's very unhealthy. which for, for something like that, you don't expect that to do so. so I think I know what the problem might be. Robert Altman wasn't, interpreting the comic strip he was actually imitate he was basing his Popeye on the Max Fletcher cartoons and I think that's the problem because those were aimed at kids yeah those definitely were aimed at kids and I love the Max Fletcher comics growing up. I mean, TV, sh- the the cartoons, the black and white ones. I watched them all. I watched Betty Boop, and I absolutely loved the star, the Superman that he did, the, that Max Fletcher was doing in the color. Uh, so I, the aesthetic is very similar to those over the 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 the, the, com- the four base color comic strips you got in the Sunday paper. So maybe there's where the problem is. Maybe Mike you're right. They should have gone more with the colorful angle instead of the more adult jazzy darker macabre angle, which is what they were aiming they were doing in the film. But the characters aren't macabre, which is strange. The characters are and, and we all appreciate we all appreciate movies that were still more adult in the 80s for kids. Those are all classics, but just for something like that, I just don't. I, yeah, unsettling is the right word. I can't quite put my finger on what it is, but even as an adult, I ju- it just just the whole tone. I just doesn't work for for moi. But yeah, so Mike, just, something's off. Something's off. Mike, have you seen Monkey Bone? I have not. Ah, uh, we are about to talk about uh-huh. Monkey Bone. And yes, Keith... I know I hijack your Popeye time. Your no, no, time you're right. I have patented, no, and, and Steve knows. Oh no! First of all, thank you for calling. We're always delighted when someone yeah, calls thank in. You. But we 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 padded in extra time tonight because we had four films to review, and that can take a while. So uh, we're right yeah. on time, actually. So we're good. But Monkey Bone is. Um, Henry Selznick movie, Mike. Okay, get this. It's his follow-up to Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, You know, there's a big break, and then Henry Selznick directs Monkey Bone for Touchstone. Uh, And um, stars Brendan Fraser as a, what is it? What's his name? Oh, my God. Now I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Sue. Sue. Yeah. Sue. Yeah, Sue. They call him Sue. Sue's good enough. Um, and Bridget oh, yeah. Fonda is his girlfriend in the weirdest performance of her career. Uh, Which says and, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it has like this real, really huge, huge, like, like cameo cast, including an early Rose McGowan appearance and Chris Kattan and, and Bob right. Odenkirk and Woody, Whoopi Goldberg. And yet none of these films are the star. Steve is about, he's never seen it before. 
what is the star of Monkey Bone, Meister, in your opinion? And thank you for oh, calling, God. Mike. You're welcome to stay on, or you can and oh. join us, or you can listen in. Either way. Hey, babe. Sure. I wait. Did you go back? Did you say Chris Kattan? Yeah. Yeah, Chris Kattan. He's actually I'm really sold. good in the movie. Um, say no more. Actually, I'm sold. <laughs> he's actually one of the best <laughs> things no about more. the film, in my opinion. But anyway, what's your he's opinion? In, Steve? I think John Turturro as well. There's a lot, so many people in it. Um, uh, well, I thought that Monkey Bone. I I would recommend this movie to anyone that loves. Uh, kind of absurdist surrealism. You know, I liked his, uh, I liked Nightmare Before Christmas. I liked James and the Giant Peach, which I think he did as well. Uh, yeah. But uh, I have to yeah, look at the order I, I, of these films. Hold on. Go ahead. Keep talking. I can't remember what order they were in. I, I yeah. just remember I always liked his stuff. And I, um, this movie to me, uh, it had a lot of, um, see, oh gosh. So you put me on the spot sometimes. I'm sorry. This, uh, oh, my, this my is your, this is your first movie, mouth. so this is the first watch. Yeah. So you, this is, I don't I know. I, I, I'll, I supplement. You just you you have to talk about your feelings. Well, this my is your feelings shame card. are two. Mine, yeah, it, it's. T- I'm so glad I got it because it's two thumbs way up. I want to read the graphic novel that it came from, uh, which I had read that it came from a graphic novel. Um, uh, I think it's it's called, you know, downtown is where they go. I think that's what the the graphic novel was called. But uh, I think that you know uh, the stop motion animation in the film, uh, I ate up. Um, it's, it's, it's really bizarre. And as you were talking about films that are slightly unsettling, I, I found this as an adult to be slightly unsettling. It's uh, disturbing. And, you know, it is. It is. And it, it's, it's more really than a little disturbing movie. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I just, I can't get enough of it. So, I mean, I'll let you pick it up from there, but I, I really, I, there's nothing about this movie that I didn't love. I can't believe I was 16 when this came out and I remember everyone trashing it and I did not see it. And, uh, I, I, I regret that now because I had an absolute blast with this movie. Maybe you weren't, uh, you were too young to appreciate it. Now you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, I more than appreciated it. It was I absolutely. I mean, really. What I mean, what more do you want? I mean, if you sat down and, and explained the plot to this to someone, they would just their eyes would either glaze over and their jaw drops open and they'd start drooling, or they'd get really excited. You know, I mean, either one. Um, and and I think that it's just I love anything that falls under a surreal category if it's done if it's done well. And um, you know, like, um, and this isn't Lynchian or anything like that, but it's a different kind of surreal. But uh, yeah, I think this is actually. I hope someday that this is considered like a lost classic someday. I really, I really hope so, uh, because I think it deserves to to have a reexamination. I I would agree with you on that. I actually really forgot how good that movie is. Like, uh, uh, you know, uh, and the production design is is just absolutely one of the most unique ones. Granted, there's a few things in there that are clearly checks to, like, Yellow Submarine and stuff like that. It's it's, it's tribute. It's not, it's not, it's homage. 
right? It's not yeah. it's not stewing at all. And yet there's some no. absolutely completely original stuff that you'll never see in any other film but this one. Uh, any I mean, other really, film. It is there's one of a nothing kind. Nothing like it. Um, I'm not saying it is it's perfect. It's a categ- it's a genre of one. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's not perfect. I think that Bridget Fonda's performance is not very good in the film, and I usually don't think that about her. I love her. Um, I, yeah. I I just found it. I found it very bland and almost the same problems I was having with the girl in Cabin Boy. I was having with Bridget Fonda's performance. Like it's I not can really. See that. Yeah, it's it's not funny. Well, they, they introduced think them funny, both pretty well. Yeah, they and started they out fine. they both pretty well. Yeah, yeah, both no. of those characters are introduced well. Yeah. But uh, then they don't it, go anywhere. No, it, it's really weird that way. Um, it, you know, I, there's, I do not think when Brandon Fraser is playing Monkey Bone, he's that funny. Um, you know, no, I think not. that he's I think when, when he's playing Stu, he's totally fine. Matter of fact, he's so pissed off at everything and all the dead stuff around him, and that's funny. I like pissed off yeah. Brendan Fraser is adorable. I'll, I'll take that all day. Uh, but I don't think when he he's actually playing Monkey Bone, he's really that good, except for maybe the sex scene. I think the sex scene no. is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of sex, there's a lot though, right? of sex in this movie. If we're a PG-13, there's a lot of sex in, innuendo. Yeah, this all is this not film. mistaken for a kid's film. This is, would never be mistaken for a kid's film. Yeah, my daughter <laughs> watched it with me. She loved oh, well. it. Chris Kattan and Chris Kattan, a lot of sex, and one of a kind genre. I mean, that's three boxes right there. I guess. Oh. Next time I, one of the next <laughs> well, time I look. <laughs> Chris Kattan unfortunately go. doesn't get any of the sex, but there's a reason for that. I he can. Did, Im- I. Oh yeah. Can imagine. You can't imagine, and I don't even okay, want to tell you, Mike, because it's oh. it's, it's a, such a surprising performance, and it's right up all three of our alleys. I, it is. You know what? Once once I see it, I'll message I'll message you guys. Once I see it, I'll message you and let you know exactly what I what I think. Yeah, um, we, we might that, spoil some of this, so you might want to go so you, we That's don't spoil fun. it for you. Even though I love yeah, I love I, you being on, but I want to d- deep dive a little bit more on this with him. And I want no, you to see him so. call I just us wanted back. to call in and great talking to you, and I'll catch you guys later. Thanks. Oh hey, my God! See ya. Thank Thanks you for calling so in. Much. Call in any time, my dear. Definitely, definitely. Take care, folks. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Bye. That was awesome. I know. I love it. Oh my god, and I love my cats. We we bump into each other at like like at Texas Frightmares. It was so fun. I didn't even know he was there, and he just like I've been there ten minutes, and he just comes walking down the stairs. I'm like Mike. You know. Uh, (laughs) I don't think I know him. I don't think we're friends. No, I don't don't think think we're. Friends on Facebook. I met, I met him through Aaron Marie, but he lives in my area. Oh, okay, very cool. It's, yeah. it's just it's a small world. Yeah, it totally is. You know, three people, you know everyone. So uh, that's what my friend. That's right. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to deep dive Chris Kattan's form, and I didn't want Mike to know that he's a fucking revenant. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. Talk about it though. How did? Um, it's such an odd performance, and 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 I actually love that part of the film. It's my favorite part of the movie is when he comes to life. Yeah, when yeah, that that's your favorite part of the movie. 
Yeah, and I'm not talking about the design because obviously the Death Town design is is uh, the townspeople are amazing. That 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 but that is art. That you know, I'm talking about as a sequence. It's a big. It's a great finale. Oh, well, Let's just put it that way. Yeah, that sequence is that. It's yeah, it is a great finale, and it's. Um, I mean, it is. I don't. Is disturbing the right word? I mean, uh, yes, it, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it is disturbing. I, I keep not wanting to throw those labels the monkey bone, but I think that 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 it is. It, it really is. And he mentioned the word unsettling. Like I don't want to bear. I don't want to hit that well, uh, I mean, it's, word it's over the head nightmares. too much. But it is. It is, and that's what really got me. Like uh, more you, right there, you nailed it on the head. Like anything about nightmares. Like I, I'm an. I have always had trouble sleeping. I'm an. I have insomnia really bad, and I've always had really bad nightmares. So I, I you know, I went into Monkey Bone pretty blind. And when I um, I knew Brendan Fraser was in it, I knew uh, Henry and and the stop motion, and all, but that was basically it. But uh, with the ideas behind it, I just think that it's so creative. Just the the and uh, deal you know dealing with nightmares in itself <laughs> when it's made of nightmares. I think that's brilliant. And really, when you stop and think about it, that's scary as fuck. I mean, that's really scary. Uh, well, and well, the idea that your your figments of your imagination become—I mean, it's not unheard of. We've seen it in South Park and a few others. But when you die, right. they become personifications of that piece of your imagination, and they are real. Uh, can you imagine that the things that you thought of as a kid are alive and with you in this town? Oh. Those are those are his creations, all fucking exactly. That would be uh, that that you you know what that kind of reminds me of just bare bones. Do you remember Cool World? Yeah, I saw it in the theaters. Yeah, I, I always when I was a kid, I loved Cool World, and for some reason, my parents let me watch a lot of what I wanted to watch. Like I was very lucky, thanks mom and dad. But they did not like me watching that movie as a ten year old, and uh, um, <laughs> I, I I this this kept reminding me of some of the ideas in that of how you know all his creations live in you know this world you know they come to they're they're sentient or whatever and um i i would say this is arguably better than cool world oh yeah i think it's i do think it is i i do think it's way better which i never thought i would say that um because i have a thought that's one of those um uh sentimental movies for me is cool world but um yeah i'm a i love ralph bakshi and you know that's yes. his last big film, so there's always going to be a part that of was me it, that wasn't loves it? that. Yeah, that was it. And also the soundtrack, isolated from the movie, oh, so cool. is, is 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 an industrial fucking gem. Uh, you it know, is. It, it, it's you can so listen good. to it right now. I yeah, I really you can you listen did to it right po- now. I've yeah. used it before on podcasts and panels before. So uh, it's yeah, awesome. No, it's, yeah, and it introduced me to Ministry for crying out loud. Oh uh, my god, you know, I love Ministry. I mean, it may have yeah. introduced me to Ministry as well. I can't think of an earlier time I would have heard Ministry. Well, um, I like, heard <laughs> Every Day is Halloween, and I oh, heard yeah. Thieves and Liars, like which the is still one of my song. favorite songs. But that was really the song where that album in particular, where I fell in love with Ministry, was that album. Yeah, uh, you know, and it, that, was, that is. Good fucking record. Still holds up too, by the way. 
but I do think Monkey Bone goes into those kind of, they don't really make these kind of films anymore like Cool World, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where there's a lot of animation or stop motion animation in some films. And there might be some themes that on its surface seem like they're kids films. But they're in no way kids' films, and I, you know, my my parents used to get really kind of missed and confused about those movies when they try to go take us to see like uh, even like something live action like Beetlejuice as a family, and then it's like, well, this isn't a kids' film, you know. It's uh, you know, uh, so that, that but with uh, um, not Bakshi, but uh, Henry Selick, like um, y- you're just the entire the, that sequence is pretty terrifying like it's pretty scary even as an adult like sitting here think when i watched it again i rewound it and watched it a second time just because it was so cool so i yeah it does it it does it for me like it totally works for me on in every um, way i think one of the reasons that it works for me as well is that the puppets are either most of them are either stop animation or practical there's only one or two yes. cgi characters and it's 2001 they are not as successful as the rest of the characters, like uh, the the, De- the Morpheus, for example. I, you know, I don't think he works that well, but no. everything else does. Like it looks yeah. good. Santa, stop animation. Ray Harryhausen said the reason why it's stop animation. He said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said stop animation will always hold up because it always, your brain will tell you it's real because it's a real thing right. that's being manipulated. CGI tells you, your brain knows you're not watching a real thing and knows you're watching animation. And so you register yes. it differently. And so it'll never be as good as stop animation. And I think he's right because stop animation, I can still go back and watch Jason and the Argonauts over and over again and, or and King Kong. Real. And it's real. Mighty yeah. Joe Young, you know, and we're talking about oh, low yeah, framage real. and it still holds up. I mean, yeah. King Kong is six frames a second. That's it. That's it. But it still looks so and then the CGI, we, we live in an era now where all the big blockbusters are basically people standing around in front of green screens reacting to nothing. And that, uh, you know, I don't want to get on that soapbox because I had to climb off of it eventually uh, about six months ago or I was going to go insane. But uh, <laughs> I really am not a fan of it. And that I think at the end of the day, whether it's DCEU, NCU, whatever you – the, the the biggest complaint I have with a lot of those movies is just nothing is really there. You know, the, the, there is no, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, there isn't that idea of I'm watching something real. I'll, I'll be into those movies, and then the end uh, climax will happen, which are always really bombastic and full of CGI, and I, I zone out every time yeah, uh, because it, it, I just, I don't think anything's engaging. real. It, it's not, and that's yeah. That's my complaint with all that stuff. I mean, it, it, that being said, I there is a piece of me that wants to see the King Kong versus Godzilla movie, but none of the oh, Godzilla yeah. kaiju films that have come out uh, in this new iteration have been as good, except for Chin Godzilla, the the Japanese one. And that was because they used them. They used the Shin Godzilla is funny because you know how all the Godzillas are from a person's perspective. This time yeah. it's from the bureaucrat's perspective. What's happening oh, to the city? Oh, cool. 
And it's actually so as as a former bureaucrat, I kind of love I call it the bureaucratic Godzilla. And I kind of enjoy it that way. And they do use puppet and man and suit in that movie. And it just works. It totally works. That's great. And I agree yeah, with you. The, 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 Any time that you can get something like the werewolf going to horror, like the werewolf transformation in American Werewolf in London, think of that versus like Wes Craven's Cursed. You know, they announced a Thing um, remake from Bloomhouse today. And I'm like, the reason why what? the Thing worked is Rob Bottin's makeup. Like his, his effects thing are. Remake? Yeah, they're making another theme remake, and and the last one wasn't oh, that bad, but the monster pre- was it silly, silly yeah, monster. Yeah, the monster it, ruined that. That's what. Yeah, it well, had I a happy face on it. Did, I heard that they originally is it? I don't know if you've heard this. Is it? I'd heard that they shot everything with practical effects in mind, and then the studio yes, made did. them replace it. That's yes, that's I heard that to too. Me. That's absolutely criminal. Yeah. So we'll see. What no. I, I'm I'm not going to poo poo it, but it the reason why yeah. the original works so well isn't John Carpenter's direction. Though there's some great moments in that movie. Um, it's, right. It's Rob Bottin's monster. Rob Bottin. Yeah. Rob Bottin's monster exactly is right. so unique, and you can't and ever real. unsee it. You can <laughs> never unsee the sequence where he takes out the huskies. You could never unsee that scene. No. It is probably, I as had a kid, for that moment was, was one of the most terrifying moments I had ever seen in a movie. Like, Absolutely. It was it, it 1982. Yeah, no, oh. that was terrifying. Like, it was, I, I, I actually think I didn't get through the film the first time. I would have been, oh, I do, yeah. 82, I was nine. So I, I, I shouldn't have been watching that movie at nine. <laughs> no, you should not. Have, but I was around the same age when I first got into all that stuff, so I was nine right there with you just right. a little bit later. Nine is about right. There's a maturity level. Some nine-year-olds can handle slasher. It's really like Lily is is yeah. ten now, mm-hmm. and she's starting to watch horror with me. Like she watched Crawl the other night, which because there's nothing really in Crawl oh, that's going like to be a it? problem. Yeah, she was scared, really scared of it. She tried to go to keep trying to go to bed. And and then she'd oh. something when someone would scream on camera, she'd snap right back up and watch it. It was oh, pretty funny. No. Um, I love see- Crawl actually. We're about to watch Evil Dead Two together, and I'm so excited. Oh boy! Oh my God! To see wa- so someone watch that one for the first time. She's seen Army of Darkness already, but that's not a horror film. So no, uh, I you yeah. know. I, you know, playing Ash in Evil Dead's musical is still one of the most fun things I've ever done in my life. And I, you know, remember we talked about my... Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. I, I I wanted to let you know that I purposely went back and I watched everything, including the Fide Alvarez film, which I quite like. Uh, and um, Even though it uh, it is a little bit overkill, but I, I think it is pretty good, though. Um, Army of Darkness, it's good... As long as I remember that it's not called Evil Dead Three, you know it's not. It's it's uh, it, it, it and even on the back of the case I have it says Bruce Campbell reprises his role from the Evil Dead series. And so I just when I think of Army of Darkness as as that as kind of just a spinoff and its own thing. I like it a lot more, and it, it is a love letter to Ray Harryhausen. A lot of it, so I, it, I do. It, I will take that back. The 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 ske- I still I 
Army of Darkness is one of those movies that when I'm sick with the flu, I watch. That's how I feel about Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness oh, has a very soup movie. Yeah, it's my chicken, one of my chicken soup movies, but yes, it is definitely a chicken soup movie. I watched that movie in the theaters. I stole the poster from work because uh, I was working there at the time. Uh, That's the awesome. Theater. You were working uh, there I, when it came? Yeah, it was one of, yeah. Oh, wow. I was, I was at the wow. discount theater, dude, the dollar theater. I got so oh, many wow. of my friends to go see that movie. I was just like, come that on, you awesome. have to see this film while it's on the theater. Come on. I, I watched it. Uh, I know that. I knew. Oh, my God. I, it was one of the first VHS tapes I ever bought. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, it, it, like it was my own money. cut or theatrical cut better? Oh, no. My favorite cut is the one that was on television during Monster Fest. What? And I have that cut. What's that? The only problem with it is that they cut the cussing out. But there's not that much cussing uh, in it. It's a perfect blend though? of the theatrical cut and the director's cut. It's the exact uh, cut I would do of this film. And if you ever come visit, I will play it for you. It's an extra on my oh, on my box set. I have now, to see that. That's it's amazing. Not in, it does, it's not in HDX. It's in standard def. Just be prepared for that. It looks like, it looks like yeah. a TV edit. But sure. it really is the best cut of Army of Darkness. And, you know, I really I, – the show, too, I don't know how you felt about the TV show, but um, I – Oh, I um, loved it. I got the whole – I got the whole box set with a really cool Ash uh, figurine for like $30 off Amazon and uh, on Blu-ray. And I, it, it, I, it's very nicely displayed here in my collection because I couldn't believe I got it that cheap. And I, I was so bummed when they took it off the air. Well, I'm really excited to show Evil Dead 2 because I think it, I actually use that as an icebreaker a lot because it is, oh, yeah. it is super funny. Even though it's really terrifying, it <laughs> you know, but it is, a re- it's not, it's a comedy. It absolutely is a comedy, not on the slapstick level that Army of Darkness is, but it is really a funny, absurdist film. Yeah. But the first one is straight horror. I always argue that the first one is not funny. Like the first one, I didn't think the first, the first one does not make me laugh. The first one actually oh. is a movie that scares me anytime I put it on. I, I laugh at the end of the film when when he finally oh, yeah. destroys the the Necromonicon um, <laughs> and the, and and you just know they're like okay stop animation pus blood mold yeah. what else can we put there blue the, color we don't know we're just gonna throw it all on camera we're just gonna throw gonna, it in there and then she's gonna melt and smash her face in it I mean come on you can't get more yeah. like silly than that and it's great though over I mean, the it's, top it's so yeah. over the top you know let's just throw it all in and see what happens because this is our money shot right <laughs> so it's right like, and you, you know, like the second one better yes i do i actually yeah. most people it's in to. my it's my in my top 10 favorite horror films of all time oh uh, very it, cool very cool yeah i i it is actually number two not number one. Oh wow! I'm curious what number one is. Dead Alive. Oh wow! Really? AKA oh, Brain Dead. Dead. Yeah, Alive. Peter Jackson. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Number three is Fulci Zombie. Do do do. Oh 
yes. I absolutely love zombie. I've I've watched zombie once or twice a year, every year. I I love it more than From Beyond. I love it more than House by the Cemetery, though. For some reason, that one's been playing a lot lately. I've been watching it because of Bob. That was always my favorite. You know, Bob is so fucking annoying. Yeah, it is. (laughs) The ultimate annoying kid is Bob. That's true. That's yeah. Fucking annoying is annoying can be. Oh but my god! I, I have cool. a really cool um, bad taste uh, sticker on my guitar of oh, the alien flipping off with yeah. the AK forty-seven. I remember I was about twelve years old and somebody let me borrow that and it. I never. I saw that before I saw Dead Alive, and it blew my mind wide open. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, saw really. Dead Alive first. Uh, I was matter of fact, get this. I saw it in the theaters, and then I went home, and I saw Evil Dead 2 on TV. It was Halloween. Oh, my gosh. Talk that about was a double real, feature. And, oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, and that was actually the first time I saw Evil Dead 2, I think, all the way through wow. from beginning I mean, to end. That's the perfect it, time. I've seen it from the eyeball to the end, but I hadn't seen the opening oh. of that movie with, with, with Linda and all that. I hadn't seen any of that. Or, Linda, or the last. Yeah. Or my favorite thing ever in a horror film is that, well, other than Dead Alive, is um, the laughing, um, the laughing uh, deer antler, the deer head. Oh my! When, that when the scared cat, me when I was it, young. It is absolutely the me. most. It's may. I don't know how Sam Raimi ever did it, but he caught mania on camera for a brief moment. He did. He really and he did. actually he nailed it, me. and it. I was laughing. You can't help but laugh and just go, "Oh my God, this it, it is so funny and scary at the same time." It's it, 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 when you're talking about our surrealist thing. I would even say Evil Dead Two's got a. It's it's not. It's very similitude is very low. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, there's not yeah, a lot it, of real real things happening. <laughs> you know, so, no, uh, there's not a know. lot of real things happening at all. I mean, it's not going <laughs> off the rails like monkey bone does i think that's the problem no. with monkey bone it's so off the rails i don't think people can really follow it very well i mean because it but then again it kind of tells you it's going to be like that because how does it start with him going down a manic roller coaster right so you know you're in yeah. for a ride he they, they kind of spell it out to you kind of obviously there uh, you know if you think about it yeah no they do they do and uh, but uh, yeah it, it, yeah that's it's nothing like monkey bone no, no. But, There's nothing um, so, like monkey bone. So we're, what, let's give grades, because I like to give grades when we review. Sure. So, um, and, and I want to re-implement that for Repo Nerds, because grades are better than stars or thumbs up. I've never really liked that. But grades, you can be subtle. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And you can, yeah. So let's go back to Popeye. My grade is, uh-huh. I would give it a B minus. Ah, that's the exact same grade that I would give it as a B minus for sure. Great minds thinking, thinking alike. All right, so first the Viking, I think is a C plus. I would say it's still watchable. See, we're good at this, aren't we? Once again, same. (laughs) Okay, so what is your um, cabin boy? I'm interested in that one. Oh no! Um, I want to give Cabin Boy honestly. I want to give it a B plus. 
You know, it's funny because I'm like B minus, B plus, somewhere in there because I think it's not quite a B plus. It doesn't quite stick the landing. And, you know, but. No, it does. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, okay, let's give it a B plus. That's awesome. And I think we're both. Or we at the could a. average out and give it a B. Let's give it a B. <laughs> Go to night school and get a B, man. Um, that's, that's a Cheech and Sean reference for people that are not that are old. Um, so Monkey Bone, I don't even know if you can grade Monkey Bone. If I was gonna rate it, I'd probably give it a B plus or an A minus. But really, it there's nothing else quite like it. I mean, Henry Selznick, like I was re-looking up his career and yeah, he did right before this, he did James and the Giant Peach and then he did Nightmare Before Christmas. Not, not, yeah. First of all, all the tones to all three of those movies are completely different. Um, even so though they different. all are a little, even though they're all a little on the macabre side, but they, they, they are not, they're, they don't really overlap any way, shape or form, except for they, they use don't, animation. No. You know, so, I would say that, like, Monkey Bone, maybe Henry Selznick is the unique per- thing that we're talking about here. Because even James and the Giant Peach, which, by the way, I actually don't like very much. I think there's a lot of problems with it. Um, you know, it's but been I don't too think long. It's, it's not really his fault. I think it's more about the animation. I think they cheat. And when they yeah. didn't cheat, they don't cheat in Nightmare Before Christmas, but they cheat in uh james and the giant peach and and i don't mean cg cheating i'm talking about not taking the time to do the stop animation properly uh, right. you know right. so you know which is an awful thing to say because i realize it's five seconds a day and fuck you and you have the absolute right people to say fuck you because i can't i don't know if i have the patience to do five seconds a day do you that's true. I I don't. No, no. I mean, say no. I, I'm gonna say no. I have I have a lot of mad respect for stop animators and Henry Selznick. So, so my my dislike of James and the Giant Peach really is more because I'm sure that he didn't have the money to do what he wanted. If you understand what I'm saying. Oh, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, definitely the weak link. I think. So I would say if you are a stop animation completist, definitely watch Monkey Bone. Um, if you want to watch oh, yeah. Henry Selznick and want to be a completist there, watch Monkey Bone. If you're a Brendan Fraser fan, and I know there's quite a few ladies out there and gentlemen who like Brendan Fraser, and honestly, he's kind of adorable in his own way, um, definitely you have to see this one because it's probably one of his better performances. It is, and I honestly don't like him, and that is my biggest um, that is not my. It's not a complaint with the film. It's just casting, and he is good for the role. And that's the thing too is when we were when you gave it to me, my biggest oh no in my head was Brendan Fraser. Fraser, uh, you know, I, I like knew him it. now. I like like Doom Patrol where he's back now and in trust, but it's it's really different seeing him act now. But when I was younger as a kid, I remember that I really I don't know what it was, but something about him rubbed me the wrong way. Well, he was he was being packaged as a as a teenage heartthrob and not the the acting chops that our boy Johnny Depp did at the time. Which if he was in this movie, it would have had a completely different vibe. Um, you oh, know. Yeah. So, uh, and it might have actually improved it a little, but, you know, but I still don't want to diss on Brendan Fraser because he actually is pretty good in this movie and he is being the fish out of water. 
So, yes. uh, you and know, there's that. that. Yeah, so that works. And Chris Kantan's cameo in that movie is just the feature. It, it's just, it's memorable. And it's so fun. And I so recommend you, you watch Raccoon Bone at least once. I'm not saying you have to do it sober. <laughs> no, no, don't. Yeah. Matter of fact, As a matter of fact, it might be better if you don't. Yeah, it might be better if you don't. Yeah, no, but you know, I would just say, people, if you are listening, and thank you for listening for two hours tonight, because we don't yes, usually go this thank long. You. Uh, just these movies are odd. They're not amazing, but like since people are like already doing midnight show for cats. Give these movies a second look or a first watch because uh, they they have interesting concepts going on even if they don't always execute them perfectly. Perfectly, there's, yeah. But there's so much going on, and there are people that love these movies. There might be six of them, but they're out there, and they deserve <laughs> love in some ways. Yeah, though so there's definitely people who love these movies, and I know that there's oh, yeah. actually a decent following for Cabin Boy. So I would say probably if you want to go start with that one, because and just know the first 20 minutes it gets better. I promise. I promise it gets better. Yes, it does. I really promise. It starts it gets out really Even, bad. Oh, but even the first 20 minutes, you've got the David Letterman cameo. So there's, oh, you know, that's there's right. a lot. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot going on there, too. But, yes, get through the first 20 minutes. Once you get to Hell's Bucket, the movie is going to just go off the rails, and you're going to love it. it and, yeah, absolutely. And Pop, you know, and, and I know most people have already probably seen Popeye, but I really do think that Popeye has, a, even if it's not, it's not Duck, that's actually what I call it, the odd duck. I think it has a place yeah. in history somewhere. Uh, I don't it know does. where, but it is worth your time. All these movies are yeah. worth your time. And and Steve, you're always worth my time. Thank you for being on the show. And today. you're always worth mine. Thank you. Uh, you're always worth my time. Yeah. I um, love so being here. Let's do some quick plugs because we're at end yes. and get out. So you were All just right. hired to be in a play. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Tell I really appreciate about it. It's, uh, it is, well, actually, I will uh, squeeze two things in there if that's okay. Uh, because yes. I just found out today. I expected you film, to. I, I had mentioned it. Uh, um, actually, also, my website, creepylovely.com, has been closed for a month due to a family tragedy. Uh, but if you like horror movie reviews, that's coming back up. So check it out creepylovely.com but the two cool things i want to mention real quick are that the, i was in a movie last uh, fall that is called what i meant to say was and the poster uh hit imdb today and so that is one it'll be coming out soon and the more people rent it off of your various streaming platforms from my understanding the more chance it has of being on netflix but also what i'm doing right now is i was cast as Bassanius, I'm hopefully not butchering his name. So sorry, yeah. Ghost of William Shakespeare in Titus Andronicus. Have you seen the speaking of surrealism? Have you seen the Julie Taymor version of Titus Andronicus? No, but I'm going to watch it this weekend. Uh, yes, and get back to me because that is one of my favorite movies. You'll love it. And I love Julie Taymor, so yeah. Yeah, no, you're gonna love that movie. It's her first feature. It's Oh God! Um, Somehow so, I missed I, it. 
until I signed up for the play, I didn't know it existed. This is going to be a very surreal season because we have we have the the the, the lunacy from that uh, the, the the Czechoslovakian uh, animator coming up, and uh, there's oh, a yeah. David Lynch episode coming up. I mean, we're going to have a lot yes. of weirdness this season. Uh, I do it's think great. I want to push it push it towards some actors because I've been concentrating on directors more. Oh, we have that episode with ha- with um, the Japanese movie House and Salo um, coming up. Oh, That's yeah, going to be yeah, interesting. Coming up. Yeah, That's all so new for me, too. Yeah, we're going to watch a lot of films we've never seen before. So that'll be great. Um, so you uh, you have your your film and your Titus Andronicus and Creepypasta. Is there anything else you need Creepy to say? Lovely. Oh, I'm sorry. Creepy, creepy lovely. Pasta. It's okay. Creepy pasta is okay. very it's different. Right. My bad. My bad. My bad. Creepy lovely. You're right. My bad. Yeah. Shame. But um, Shame. anything else? Uh, no. Um, that is that is all I have to plug tonight. Uh, and uh, go see that movie uh, if if it comes out and uh, you can watch it. It'd be mean a lot to me because I can't watch myself on screen. Uh, uh, well, I will be at, on the seventh. Uh, the weekend of February 7th at Days of the Dead Atlanta. And on the 8th, I will be hosting a panel called How to Make Your First Horror Film, which will be uh, an indie film panel. And uh, they're going to talk about their experiences working on their first movies. So that'll be awesome. And um, That is exciting as hell. Yeah, I'm really excited to do that. And thank you, Brooklyn, for thinking of me. At first, I didn't think I was going to be working the event. I was just going to go as a fan. And then she wrote to me and I was like, yay. So, and Erin Marie is going to join me. So she'll be there too. And, oh, cool. And uh, yeah, so that's going to be awesome. The headliners and the, I'm so excited for are the Boulay Brothers of Dracula which as you know, I was oh. a huge fan of Dragula this season and I, for the yes. first time ever purchased the VIP ticket so I could go to the VIP party cause they're hosting it. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah. That's, so that's, you're going to have a blast, aren't you? Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's, and it's also um, one of my favorite people, Nathan Hamilton. It's his birthday. He turns 40. Uh, the son of Sally Lloyd. He also does the podcast caught dead watching it, which Steve, if you haven't listened to Caught Dead Watching yet, you really should start because it's 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 wonderful. Caught Dead uh, Watching. Caught Dead Watching. It's a review show where they watch the worst movies and review them. Oh, I mean, great. don't go out and don't go to the woods alone is actually considered highbrow on the show. Wow! Wow! Yeah. That's highbrow, yeah. huh? Then I yeah, can't wait. That's isn't, he, isn't he the horror hound guy? No, no, he's Days uh, of the Dead he... Atlanta. He's oh, Atlanta. okay. I was he say, was he did, he did their again this year. Yeah, no, he he did Days of the Dead Atlanta and Indy. He was the indie track person for many years, and now Brooklyn oh, okay. Ewing is is doing it. So the B track with the more indie films and the demos and workshops and all the fun stuff that people the same we keep going to each other's stuff, you know. So it's awesome. So that's well, you the, were just all the, over the place. Yeah, and then oh my god, am I? Because at the end of the month, the weekend of the twenty second, I fly to L.A. to help shoot the next two FP films, the FP three and the FP four. So that's amazing. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and this time I'm actually gonna produce his credit on the movie, 
which is a great oh, honor. And I think, yes, I, oh, I, I, I am producing the movie. And, um, Congratulations. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, and I thank Jason Trost and, and his family for giving me this opportunity. I mean, it is just amazing. And so I'm taking my husband this time, and the cuz is going to join us for film shoot. It'll be awesome. And uh, yeah. so, so I, I, I it's you know, it'll, it'll be cold, but I'll be happy. It's the second time in a month my yeah. husband will be in LA, which is an issue. Wow. I've already was in LA once last year, and I'm going again in August to Star Wars Celebration. So he's I flying to LA. That's, uh, yeah. I have never, I have yet to make it to the West Coast. I've got to get out there. Oh well, when you go, I'll believe me. I can definitely guide your your journey. Yeah, I, I will need to I'm guide. I'm really you. good at it. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I've, I've heard that. I, you'll, yeah, you'll never be bored if you have me as a guide when it comes to that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, that's it, awesome. It's, so those are the next two appearances I will be making. I'm really excited and. How, shout out to Jill Six, who's in principal photography for The Stylist, which I'm also get a, I get an assistant, assistant producer on that one, which is cute. Yay, thank you. But uh, The Stylist was a, awesome. a hit horror short, and now it's going to be a feature-length film. So uh, so that's great. And what's really funny about it, the day before principal photography, they had tickets to go see the Kansas City win. Because oh. that's, that's where she's based. So, uh, oh, cool. so, so this whole thing is, you know, stylist is a good luck charm for them. So I, I say that even though I'm a, I, I, as a girl growing up in San Francisco, I'm a Niners fan at heart. I think Kansas City is gonna upset. Uh, yeah, I think I think they are too. Yeah. So anyway, so that's that's my Super Bowl prediction. Who knew we we're gonna do one? Okay. So I was thinking, <laughs> Steve, and our next sexy witches. Will be mm-hmm. in February after Days of the Dead. It'll be the twelfth of February, so that'll be our Valentine's Day episode. Woo! I'll All figure right. out. What we'll do a Days of the Dead Atlanta recap, and then we'll have some kind of subject loosely based on Valentine's Day. Now we've done we've done revert special tests. Revert. We did reverse special tests like movies we just like to lust after the guys and things like that. We'll we'll figure out what we're gonna do. Right. There. That'll be fun. And then either the nineteenth or the twenty sixth. I don't know which. Probably the uh, one of those will be the next repo nerds, and then we'll decide what movies we're gonna watch for the next round. Oh, we yeah. have a, a list. We're not gonna tell you now, yes, but you I, like I said, a lot a lot of them are very weird and surreal because oh, we're our lips gonna... are sealed. Yeah. So anyway, keep an eye out for those things, and you can always find us on Facebook and on the Twitters, um, at the Sexy mm-hmm. Witches Repo Nerds at Repo Nerds, or in my personal profile is with Catherine Gray, Steve the Wizard of Wandling. What's your hand? Where's your? Uh, they can find you on the web. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on my personal page, or uh, I have, uh, or just at Creepy Lovely. And the website is the same thing, www.creepylovely.com. And you'll always find the Sexy Witches and the Repo Nerds on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you all for listening, and thank you, and good film hunting, and blessed be. Leave you tonight with one more song from the Popeye soundtrack. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with some more uh, talk about 
movies and pop culture because that's what we do here. So good night, everyone. <laughs> See you soon. Good night. What? Oh, my. Some kind of barnacle in the thing of your life? Oh, make it snap. Oh, ain't no doctors, but I know oh, that I'm losing me patience. 120 yeah. simoleons on checking when you're What am I? Some kind of judge or lawyers? <laughs> Maybe not, but I know what law suits me. <sighs> Carefully, don't ruffle me feathers. What am I? I ain't no physicist, but I know what matters. What am I? I'm Popeye, the sailor. And I am what I am, what I am, and I am what I am, and that's all that I am, because I am what I am. Uh, you got it? I think so, yeah. And I've got a lot of muscle, and I only got one eye, and I never hurt nobody's, and I'll never tell a lie. Top to me bottom, from the bottom to me top. That's the way it is, till the days that I drop. What am I? I am what I am. Oh, what a damn fun. I am what I am, what I am, what I am, what I am. Come on, get up there. Wondering about myself. To be or not to be, who's asking? I can open up an ocean, I can take a lot of sail, I can lose a lot of waters, and I'll never have to bail. With the coast come out of gas, I'll grab the whale by the tail. What am I? I'm